0: Hi, I'm Pastor Larry Cole, and you're listening to Torchbearers. Hey, I'm, I'm really intent today on sharing with you uh, something that's really captured my attention. Recently, the Lord gave me three prophetic dreams all in the same night. Not only were they all in the same night, but it was the night of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is Hebrew. It means the head of the year. So, on the night of Rosh Hashanah, September 7th, 2021, the Lord gave me three prophetic dreams that I feel are very relevant for the coming year. So, on September 8th, on the Hebrew calendar, we entered into the year 5,782. Well, why is it relevant that I had these dreams on Rosh Hashanah? Because Rosh Hashanah is one of the seven major feasts that God gave to Israel. We call them the Jewish feast. but in actuality, God said, these are my feast. He also said that these feasts are for times and seasons, and they are for signs. So what he was saying was, if you will um, get in the rhythm of these feasts, then you will be in the same rhythm that the Lord works in. And he said, these are for signs, meaning there are things about these feasts that will show you who I am and show you what I'm doing. So let me give you some examples. The first of those seven major feasts is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So leaven in the scripture represents sin. And early in the spring, the Jews would clean all the leaven out of their house. So they would eat unleavened bread, uh, which represented that they were getting the sin out. So Jesus compared leaven to sin, and he said, I am the true bread from heaven. I'm the true manna from heaven. So we know that Jesus was put on trial. They could find no sin that he had committed. He was falsely accused. He had no sin in him. So the true bread from heaven had no sin or leaven within him. So as a result, Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The next feast was the Feast of Passover. The very first Passover was when the Israelites were in Egypt. They were, uh, it was the last night that they were in Egypt. God told Moses, Tell all the Israelites to each slaughter a lamb, and take the blood of that lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. If the blood is over the doorpost, then tonight on the feast of Passover, when the death angel passes over their homes, if he sees the blood on the doorpost, he will pass by or pass over. If the blood is not on the door, then the death angel will come into the house and he will kill the firstborn of the family. So that night, the Egyptians were heard wailing and crying uh, because their firstborn were being killed by the death angel. But because the Israelites heeded the word of the Lord and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the death angel passed over and their firstborn was spared. So fast forward about 1,500 years, Jesus walks up to the Jordan River and John the Baptist sees him and declares to everyone, Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus was the Passover Lamb. He was crucified on the day of Passover at the exact time that the first Passover lamb that day was being um, offered as a sacrifice. And that lamb was offered on an altar made out of a certain type of wood that was covered with uh, bronze and Jesus was crucified on a wooden cross. Most theologians believe it was the same type of wood that was used for the altar in the temple, and um, archaeologists have found spikes that were used for crucifying that were uh, made out of bronze. At that time in history, bronze was the only metal that was strong enough to hold the weight of a man on that cross. So, Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Passover because He was the Passover Lamb who was crucified at the exact same time, the third hour of the day, that the first Lamb was being sacrificed, and He was put on an altar of wood and bronze. So, uh, there's many other things I could go into, but Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Passover. He was the Passover Lamb. The next feast was the feast of first fruits. (coughs) Jesus fulfilled this feast by being the first of many to raise from the dead. He is the first fruits of resurrection, and he fulfilled that feast. Well, after the feast of first fruits would come the feast of weeks. There was seven weeks between Passover and the day of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost in Hebrew is Shavuot, Pentecost was another, it was the fourth of the major uh, feast of the Lord. So that feast was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and took up residence inside um, the the newly birthed church, which was now the temple of God, the, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. So we see that these first four feasts have been fulfilled by God between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we should be excited about the remaining three feasts in the fall. The first being Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the New Year, but it's also known as the Feast of Trumpets. On that day there are many trumpets that are are blown. The the Jews always sound the shofar, they they blast the trumpets. Uh, Paul talked about the return of Jesus being at the last trump. So No man knows the day nor the hour of his return, but it is very possible that Jesus will return on the feast of Rosh Hashanah when the trumpet is blown. And then the sixth feast of God is called Yom Kippur. Uh, This is uh, in English interpreted to mean day of atonement. This is um, one of the days that the Jews really set themselves apart and fast They uh, refrain from any physical pleasure, and it's a time of repentance. It's a time to get your heart right with God, looking over the past year, um, God, is there anything that I've done that has grieved you? Um, And they seek forgiveness. So this is the Day of Atonement. Um, So many people believe that this feast represents a time that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and fulfill the feast of Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And then the last is the feast of Sukkot. Sukkot means tabernacles. So there's coming a time uh, at the end of the age when we will tabernacle with God For a thousand years during the millennium with the new earth and the new Jerusalem upon it We will live with God. We will tabernacle with God. We will dwell with God. So we see these seven feasts Again, they are for times and seasons and they are for signs So again, I mention these seven feasts because on the night of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the new year The Lord gave me three prophetic dreams. So let me get to those in the first dream um, i dreamed about a couple that i know are ministers Uh, they have written books they have ministered in in power um, of of the holy spirit and god has used them mightily Uh, in this dream we were standing out in a field and this couple was going to be married in the dream and my job um, for their wedding was to take care of the rings so one at a time the wife first, and then the husband, I got them both in my car and we began to drive and I was taking them to get their rings for the wedding. Um, they both revealed to me that they had already purchased their rings and they got their rings from Jared, um, from a, a jewelry store named Jared's. Um, and then when I was driving with the husband, we, he had me pull into a driveway where there was a piece of property that had just been put on the market with two mobile homes and a barn. Um, Mobile homes represent temporary uh, things, and then barns represent storehouses, and these things were, um, as he said, put up for sale. So the biggest thing that I felt God highlighting out of this dream was covenant, that there is a covenant between the bride and the bridegroom. And I felt the Lord saying that this is the time that the bride has to make herself ready. So not everybody in, who is in the church or a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ. There is a difference. So just like we've got people that are born again and people who are not. We have people on the earth whose uh, final eternal destination will be heaven and we have people who have do not receive christ they will not receive christ Uh, it's their choice and hell waits for them in eternity they will be separated from god so just as there is a line that is drawn between those that are born again and those that are not there will also come a time when a line is being drawn between the church and the bride of christ so if you're born again hallelujah your your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and at the end of your life or at the return of Christ you will be in heaven with the Lord but once we get to heaven there will be a separation of people among the church and God will separate the Bride of Christ from the church and there will then be a wedding feast called the marriage supper of the Lamb so Not everybody who is the body of Christ, the church, will be the bride of Christ. Um, Jesus told a parable in the scripture that represented this very well, and it's the story of the ten virgins. They were all virgins. None of them were in idolatry. None of them were worshiping false gods. They all had lamps. Uh, They all had fire. They were all born again. But there were those who did not have enough oil to keep their lamps burning long enough for the bridegroom to return. So they are referred to as the foolish virgins. And then the wise ones had enough oil because they had already purchased enough oil. So they um, were called into the wedding feast while the foolish virgins were in the market buying more oil. When the foolish virgins returned to the wedding feast, they knocked on the door and wanted in, but they were not allowed in. So there is a separation that is coming between the church and the Bride of Christ. And in fact, we're not even going to have to wait till we get to heaven to see this difference. There are characteristics in the Bride of Christ already here on the earth that are not in the general church. I'll give you an example. Throughout my day, I might uh, encounter certain people that I know Uh, or that I call on the phone or I send them a text and they are on my mind briefly um, as I have appointments with them or I want to run into them while I'm out and about. But there is my wife who I wake up with every morning, who I go to bed with every night, and during the day in between, she is constantly on my mind. I'm constantly uh, just thinking about her Wondering how her day's going. Uh, I might call her a couple times during the day I might shoot her a text we might make an appointment to have lunch with each other So there is more interaction between my wife and I than there is between just a friend So it's the same way with the bride of Christ There is more interaction between her and Jesus than there is between Jesus and the general church And it's not that Jesus doesn't want more people to be uh, characterized as being his bride uh, but they have not separated themselves to be his bride. The bride of Christ has a passionate burning in her heart for the Lord Jesus that the general church does not have and Jesus wishes that we all had that burning fire within us. He wishes that we would all return to our first love. Um, And not be lukewarm or be cold, but be white hot on fire for Jesus and in love with him So even now we're seeing a separation on the earth between the church The body of Christ and the bride Um, Another aspect where we're going to see this division is in the prayer movement that has circled the globe now There is a prayer movement on the earth that has never been seen at any time in history There's also going to be a worship movement that is about to be raised up that will parallel the prayer movement raising up on the earth. So a lot of this goes back to the tabernacle of David. Um, David had musicians and singers 24-7, and it's not about just being a a professional um, guitar player or keyboard player, pianist. Uh, or or having good vocals and singing. What it is about is like Jesus told the woman at the well, it's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. It's about worshiping where you are. It's about a spiritual position in your Father, opening up your heart and giving your heart to Him. So in this dream, I really felt the Holy Spirit was emphasizing that this is the time that the bride is gonna be separated From the church. Now, there are going to have to be events like there have been in the past, uh, especially in the last year and a half to two years, there are going to be events that will separate this bride from the church. And again, it's up to the church. God is not saying, I want this one to be born again and that one I don't want to be born again. Jesus died for everyone. So God is not picking and choosing. It's us On the earth that are picking and choosing and if we will choose God and cry out to him he will bring us to salvation he will call us to himself and actually it's not up to us it's um, it's up to us to humble ourselves and cry out to him but if God is not inviting us we cannot be born again that's why it is so important that the church starts dealing with the lost Um, very sternly and letting them know you may not have tomorrow. So um, there are events that are coming on the earth that are about to challenge the, the body of Christ, the church at large. Well, why would God allow this? Because in those challenges, in those times of confrontation, the times of turmoil, chaos, the unknown, God wants to know who is really clinging to his son who is truly anchored in the kingdom who is truly standing on the rock of their salvation who is truly allowing the lord to to use their life to to build his house who is truly submitted to him Uh, the scripture talks about there are vessels of dishonor and there are vessels of honor but god is looking more for vessels that are surrendered this is the bride of Christ. She doesn't care if she's a, a vessel of dishonor or honor. What she's primarily interested in is submitting herself to the Holy Spirit, being filled with Him, and letting the Holy Spirit live out His life. So there are temporary things, just like in the dream, that are fading away and they're of no use to us. So that's another separation between the church and the bride. The church as a whole, seems to be looking at things that are temporal. We're interested in denominations, we're interested in doctrine, we're interested in buildings, we're interested in arguments that have no relevance at all in eternity. Uh, It's just like everything going on with with COVID and the vaccines right now. In a hundred years, what will it matter? It won't. So why are we dwelling on it? Why are we talking about it? Why are we arguing about it? Why are we letting the devil come in and divide the church as a result of of whether I get vaccinated or not, whether I wear a mask or not? Uh, One minister recently said, this is just another form of racism that the enemy is using to separate us. So it's the same about skin color. Um, I know that there is racism out there, but, I don't know personally anybody who is racist, Um, but there are people who feel like they have to choose sides, and when they do, they then misunderstand things that people on the other side say, and that misunderstanding gives the devil opportunity to bring division in the body of Christ, just like the feminist movement. Yes, I believe that women have the right to complain about how they've been mistreated in the past, how they have been uh, put under. Women weren't allowed to vote and so forth. But the feminist movement is just another form of racism. There are women who are now on, on the earth who no matter what a man does for them, they will still despise men because of something that they suffered in the past. They will still despise men because they've been told that men control everything and men are just trying to suppress women. Well, that's just another form of racism. Yes, there is um, men who, who mistreat women, but that doesn't mean that you throw every man off the earth and just have a bunch of women living on the earth. So it's just another form of racism. So we've got to get our minds off the things that are temporal and start looking to eternity. This is what's separating the church from the bride. The church is setting itself up to be offended by the things that are coming on the earth where the bride is looking to Jesus and they really don't care a lot about what's going on in the earth. They're more interested in what's going on in heaven, and as we see what's going on in heaven, we will begin reproducing that on the earth. We've been praying it for 2,000 years, and friends, I'm telling you, it's coming. Uh, The second dream, and I'll be a little bit quicker on these last two, I was at a major conference with thousands of people, and the service was about to begin, and a very well-known minister came to me and asked me if I would open the service. And I said, of course. So I began to walk to the front of this meeting where thousands of people had gathered. And on my way uh, to the front, I stopped by a table and I picked up a microphone and I turned it on. And I just began to pace back and forth in front of everybody at the meeting. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to emphasize at this meeting? So again, this was my second dream. A man asked me to open the service, for thousands of people that had gathered for a meeting. I picked up a microphone. I began to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to emphasize uh, to to open this meeting? This is very important because beginnings mean a lot to God. So even when we're opening our church services, it's not a, a time for announcements. It's not a time for jokes. This is a time to settle in and to connect with the heart of God, the Spirit of God, and to get in His flow so that when we have meetings, we are working with the Holy Spirit. We're not just having another church service. So beginnings mean a lot to the Lord, not just in our church services, but that's why King David said, I arise early and seek the Lord. Why? Because it's the beginning of the daylight hours. And I know during that daylight, I'm gonna encounter many people and I want my heart to be with the Lord. So in the dream, as I'm pacing back and forth, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to emphasize in this meeting? What do you wanna emphasize to the body of Christ that has gathered here? And in the dream, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, there's two things of focus. Number one, brokenness. And number two, the fear of the Lord. So that was my message to the people that had gathered at this meeting, and I began to share with them. The emphasis for this meeting is brokenness and the fear of the Lord. So what is brokenness? Brokenness is uh, related to being poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be comforted. The, the poor in spirit are those that, that, number one, realize just how desperate we are for the presence of God. If, if God were not on the earth right now, hell would instantly take over the earth within five minutes. Uh, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians that the church and the Holy Spirit living in the church is the force that is holding back the uh, spirit of Antichrist from taking over the earth. So that's why when the rapture takes place, when Jesus returns and the church is gone, instantly there is nothing holding back the darkness. There's nothing holding back the Antichrist. So we are that force on the earth holding back that, that um, spirit of Antichrist. So the brokenness realizes how desperate we are for God And there is a deep love that we long for Jesus, but there's also a deep experiential love that God... And this is is the primary thing about brokenness. Uh, If you see someone in the church who is broken, it might be because they're just going through some bad circumstances, but even on a good day, there is so much of the love of God that can be... uh, poured out on someone that the realization of that love breaks them and causes them to weep greatly, to weep profusely. This is brokenness. So I I, I ask you, seek the Lord and ask Him to pour out a depth and a level of love upon you that will break you. So the emphasis for this year is brokenness. The other emphasis is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not just awe, it's not just reverence, it's not just honoring, but the fear of the Lord is like in times during the scripture people would encounter God and they would fall before him as a dead man and the Holy Spirit would have to pick them back up. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is very powerful. Um, The fear of the Lord came upon Abraham um, uh, terror came upon him the the night, the day that he fell into a deep sleep, and God made covenant with him. After Noah's ark landed on dry ground, God made a new covenant with Noah, and he said, I'm going to set the fear of the Lord upon all creation, so it will know who you are, and it will work with you to provide everything that you need. God said to Joshua, when you, before you go into the promised land, I'm going to cause the fear of you to come upon the kings of the regions so that they will tremble and they will will be so fearful of you and your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they won't even be able to fight against you. So the fear of the Lord went before them. So there is coming a day when the fear of the Lord is coming on the earth um, and especially on the church. Just like God told Moses, I'm gonna cause the fear of the Lord to come upon Israel so that they will not sin. There is a key to living a sinless life that is related to the fear of the Lord. So in this particular dream, I felt the Lord emphasizing that in this year, starting September 7th for one year, there is an emphasis on brokenness That outpouring deep heavy level of of the love of God and number two the fear of the Lord will come upon the church and will bring her into a, a place of holiness and sin and a sinless life that will then give her boldness and courage to stand up in this world the reason that the church is not relevant in the world is because we don't fear God we fear man more than God and, and we don't have the love of God in us, pushing us um, to take the earth that God made and Jesus purchased by his blood, we're not being pushed out there to, to take the earth for him, to win souls for him and so forth. The third dream was uh, I was in a house and my wife and I were gonna be going on vacation uh, in the dream, I knew it was within a, a week or two, and while sitting on the couch i told my wife i said this was in the dream i said there's going to be a storm on the coast while we're at the beach so we need to be prepared the waves are going to be very high Um, there's going to be a a major storm and i got up off the couch and i began to walk into the kitchen where she was uh, cooking and when i Uh, got up off the couch I looked out the window and I could see way out on the horizon facing the east where the east coast of the United States is there was already a huge storm that had gathered on the coast huge the the clouds were as black as night and there were lightnings and and I told my wife I said we're not going to have to wait till we get to the beach the storm is already here now and I grabbed my phone and I tried to um, hit the radar app on my phone so that I could see just exactly how big the storm was, uh, which direction it was moving in and so forth. Well, when I hit the radar app, instead of the radar showing up on the, my phone screen, what popped up was sheet music for worship. So I thought, well, I'm, I hit the wrong button, so I hit it again, but another, um, of sheet music for worship popped up on the screen so I thought man there's something wrong with my phone so I just started tapping it multiple times and every time I did worship sheet music would pop up on my phone so I was a little bit frustrated in the dream I walked down the hallway and I laid down on a bed and I said I need to know about the seven Hebrew words for praise and at that time a young lady walked in the room and she handed me a pamphlet and she said I'm part of a ministry that has studied this and everything you need to know is in this pamphlet and she handed it to me and I opened it up and sure enough each of the pages in the pamphlet had um, the definition of the Hebrew words for praise all seven of them and that was the end of the dream So in this dream, what I felt the Lord saying was this, that we have been waiting for a time when the darkness will gather as a storm off off the coast. But he says the storms are already here. And one of the things that storms do is they release heavy winds that, that hit the ocean and kick up the waves. They make the waves really big. When the waves are big, you know that there's a storm off the coast and the winds are kicking up those waves. So the ocean, the sea, represents humanity. It represents the general population. So the Lord is saying that there is already storms, like we've seen in the last year and a half to two years, that are kicking up the, the sea of humanity and causing waves. And what do waves do? But they beat against the land. They beat against the place where God has stood us on solid ground. So there is a storm rising up on the east coast even now that is beating against the land and eroding uh, the kingdom of god and the focus is not on the storm in the dream the lord was showing me the sheep music and i went and laid down on the bed the sheep music represents worship it represents praise and the bed that i laid on represents the covenant that i had with god And what God was telling me was I didn't call my church to just stand at the windows and look at the storms of this world. What I've called them to do is come back to the covenant and rest in me and focus on worship and prayer. And that is the place where I will make you um, sheltered. I will defend you. I will cover you. I will keep you from the storms that are coming. Don't be so enamored by the storms that are on the earth, by the things that are going on on the earth. Stop spending so much time watching the news. Stop spending so much time listening to what doctors and scientists and politicians have to say. Really, a lot of that, 99% of it, it doesn't matter. Who cares? In a hundred years, none of this will matter. What matters now is the church has got to come to the covenant that God has made with us, and we have to rest in that covenant. Um, and, And it comes through worship and praise that will create a defense around the church and will preserve us and keep us in the last days. So... The very next day after I had these three dreams, I had all three of them on the night of Rosh Hashanah, I, was, I began praying about the three dreams, asking God to show me the interpretation. Um, what I just gave you is a very general interpretation. There's a lot more details that I could go into, but basically it, it just comes down to this. There is covenant and God needs us to be with Him. He's looking for His bride right now to be raised up in the earth. So when I began to pray about these three dreams, the first thing the Lord told me was, warn my people, warn them. And I thought, okay, I will warn them. What am I warning them of? He said, warn them to enter into my rest. And I thought, well, how is that a warning? Well, it's only entering into that rest that God can get us going where he's going and doing what he's doing. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness, they did not believe God. They hardened their hearts and they could not enter into his rest and they died in the wilderness. Friend, if you are not walking in depth with the love of God, you are in danger of dying in the wilderness. You have got to walk with God. You have got to receive his love every day. You've got to fall in love with Jesus every day. You've got to get that fresh manna that is the manna from heaven it is jesus it is the love of the father this will keep us in his covenant this will keep us safe i don't care how much food and water you've got saved up medical supplies guns and ammunition friend i'm not talking about any of that i'm talking about being so deep in the heart of god that god protects you god provides for you god heals you god has a covenant with you You are His people and He is your God. So I just want to encourage you, walk with the Lord, seek the Lord, stay in His covenant, keep your eyes off the things of this world. Keep your eyes on Jesus until you are familiar with every freckle on the back of His hand, with every hair on His feet, everything about Him. Grow in intimacy, fall in love with Jesus, The the world is moving in the opposite direction. There is nothing else to do right now but seek the Lord to love him with a burning, passionate love. Return to your first love. Be white hot in love with the Lord and this will keep you. This will open your ears to hear. Friend, we are quickly approaching the day that the Lamb will break the first seal on on the scrolls. And we've got to get ready. There is persecution coming on America that America has never seen. And the church has to be ready. The church has to be prepared to, to, to keep their hearts unoffended, to keep their hearts full of love. We don't battle against flesh and blood, especially against those that persecute us. Those are the ones that we pray for. Those are the ones that we are called to love. Those are the ones that we are to bless. God is trying to teach His church how to love as He loves. And it's going to take persecution to do it. Out of that love, though, will come the greatest harvest of souls in history. And right on the back end of that harvest of souls will be the return of Jesus. So Maranatha, we cry out, Lord Jesus, come. The Spirit and the Bride are ready. And we are saying together, come Lord Jesus. I love you, friend. Uh, My number's on our website. If you need anything, give me a call. I'm here for you. And God bless you.